0: Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. Don Harris from Think Red Ink Ministries, Pytown, New Mexico. Uh, If you've ever thought about writing to us, you should do that now. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can write to our post office box if you're a letter writer, if there's still any of those left. Uh, P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827 is our address. And if you're an emailer, uh, you can write to me, Don, at ThinkRedInc.com. If you have a general concern, uh, something you see on uh, ThinkRedInc.com that you'd like us to send to you, uh, you can do that at info at ThinkRedInc.com. Just ask for what you want. Finish your address, and uh, we will send it to you. Um, we've been talking uh, from the book, The Words of Jesus, about um, Jesus' uh, insistence upon His followers, His disciples, us, that we are willing to, and in many cases, even actively pursue, a subtracting of our lives in many different cases, many different ways. By that I mean that um, uh, we have a tendency to—I I don't know if it's an American thing. Perhaps it's just a human thing. Uh, in America, you know, we're we're really in love with things here, <laughs> and uh, many people own many things, and um, so ownership has kind of become um, a status. Uh, you know, if you if if whatever it is you own is is good or or desirable in some way that it puts you into a different status of other people you got a better car than they do better house than they do you dress better than they do you got a better job or whatever else um it what it does is it, it tends to put an artificial um importance and subsequently um and, and our, it's, it's even an artificial desire. It is an artificial desire that we have certain things. Um, but this all stems from the fact that we are incomplete human beings that have a serious problem. You've heard me say it before. There's something wrong with you. And, uh, and one of the things that is wrong with us is the fact that uh, God, His influence, His power, His spirit... Uh, the things that were um, uh, intricately, intricately a part of us and our creation are now missing. And uh, we have a tendency to fill spiritual void with uh, physical things and sometimes emotional things. Uh, there are people who have trouble in the area of uh, of, of falling in love because they need somebody to complete them. They need and there, and there, there is some truth in that, but there's also a, a, a sinister um, eh, I don't know if it's a sinister plot, but there's a sinister side of that in that you know a, a man's uh, wife can fill so much of his life um, that it spills over into the area of a man having spiritual, needs of a God to fill that lacking in his life. Um, it's certainly true of women that um, are seeking uh, a marriage situation that will fill a void in their life uh, that they, you know, they need love. They need companionship. They need children. There are children born to people who have, you don't have a, a lack of children in your life. You have a, a, a spiritual uh, void that you're trying to fill. We've, some people fill the spiritual void with food, some with cigarettes, some with alcohol, some with drugs, some with possessions of cars and such as possessions of things and toys and money and uh, job security. And uh, you know, we have, I mean, it's all, it's all the aspects of life, isn't it? And uh, there is a a bankruptcy. There is a uh, a place where, well, you know, I, I use maybe crude, but I always hear uh, in my mind, you know, people's butts need to hit concrete. It seems <laughs> before they realize how depraved we actually are, and um, and it is the removal of those things, the removal of the props, that makes us topple, and um, and. I mean, nobody, you know, that thinks about this for five minutes is going to say that this is a good thing, that we, would, that we would remove the props in our life and fall over. Um, but somebody who has, indeed, done as Jesus instructed us to do, to fall upon that stone, do you remember this? We talked about this once. That um, Jesus said that you know I am that I'm I'm a stone I'm I'm that rock that if you fall on this rock you will be broken. He didn't say you may be. He said you will be. But here's what you need to understand: that you will either fall on this rock and be broken, or it will fall on you and grind you to powder. Now that may sound you know like threatening language, and you may be, you know, prompted at that point to say, not my Jesus, but uh, look, your Jesus can't save anybody. I've met that Jesus. I served that Jesus. And uh, and it's just not the Jesus of the Bible. This Jesus is saying, you will forsake all and follow me. You're a fool if you think that you're going to make a change of being Um, uh, a downcast and degraded human being and change to a child of God and it not cost you anything. This is going to cost you everything. And uh, this this is the Jesus of the Bible speaking. It's going to cost you everything. You might say to yourself, you know, I don't really remember a time in my life when I was, as you say, bankrupt. Do you know what you might be seeing is the lord god himself explaining to you showing you by example by the voice of of his prophet by the the words in your ear by the understanding in your head he might be showing you that you've never really come to christ the way jesus intended for you to come now that is a sobering thought i've told you before i don't understand people who come to christ not the christ of the bible and avoid the commandments of god you can't find a, a not a not a scrap of scripture anywhere not a scintilla of information comes from the scriptures that says you're allowed to avoid the commandments of god and be a christian <laughs> not a bit as a matter of fact in one of the books that states this so clearly that the american bible society decided that you didn't need to know this um, is found in, um, yeah, I think it's Sirach fifteen fifteen, um, and and he makes it very clear that uh, I'm not going to be able to turn to it, am I? Um, but uh, oh, maybe I am. Um, uh, he he was saying uh, very very clearly that God has not given anyone a license to sin. Nobody. Um, and and that that doesn't that doesn't set right. It certainly doesn't uh, bolster some of the uh, doctrines of today that we're all sinners and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, let's see. Where is this? It here? Yes, it is. Um, here, listen to this. Uh, this. This is so good. If you don't have the Apocrypha in your Bible, I encourage you to get it uh, because it is full of information. I don't care what the American Bible Society has to say about it. Um, but uh, it's full of really, really good information that we should add to our lives and certainly add to our Bible reading. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. And to act faithfully is a matter of your own choice. He has placed before you fire and water. Stretch forth your hand for whichever you choose. Before each person are life and death. Man, this is obeying the commandments or not obeying them. Do you understand this? This is serious business. Before each person are life and death, and whichever one chooses will be given. His eyes are on those who fear him, and he knows every. Human action, he has not commanded anyone to be wicked. He has not given anyone permission to sin. Now, if we don't have permission and it is indeed a matter of our choice, don't you think you need to be very careful? When you say that we sin every day, I sin every day, we all sin every day. Um, I, that's, it's just not scriptural. We need to not sin every day. Uh, and I think that we can do that. Of course, you can. Look at the Ten Commandments. Tell me which of those commandments you can't keep. Well, the reason that we have a lot of these problems, and, and the reason that even what I'm saying today, Although it's in Scripture, although this apocrypha, uh, this apocryphal Bible was in everyone's hand till about 150 years ago, the King James Bible contained the apocrypha. If you're out there and you you say that I believe in the King James Bible, that's the first thing I'm going to ask you: Does your Bible have the apocrypha in it? That's the first thing I'm going to ask you, because if it doesn't, it's not a King James Bible. So shut up. So what, uh, what I'm trying to say is the reason these things are a surprise to us, the reason these things are new to us, not necessarily because we've been, uh, being indoctrinated improperly is is a big factor. I get that. But, you know, in a lot of cases, we're just not prepared to hear the voice of God in our lives because we have so much stuff making demands upon us So many things that we're protecting. So many things that are important to us that ought not be important. Jesus is teaching us that there is a bankruptcy that precedes salvation. Absolute bankruptcy. Not poverty, mind you. Bankruptcy. And um, he's telling us that you have to be willing to give it all away. Now here's the wonderful... The the wonderful thing that has been, it's been messed with by the prosperity ideas. And that is, you don't give anything away unless you get 60-fold return. You know, get it all back. And, you know, it's not a big problem. You give everything away, but you get it all back. Usually they're talking about your money. (laughs) But uh, the the fact of the matter is, is that we give, as Jesus said, expecting nothing in return. You know, we we ought to give these things up, knowing that, fully aware that there's a chance that you know God might take my talent as a as a drummer, <laughs> and and if and if I turn that down and, and turn that away, walk away from that, in response to and in obedience to His words, that we are to actually uh, uh, to, to bankrupt ourselves to not willing to, to um, or, or to be willing to give up these things in order to have a relationship with God, we have to understand that there's a chance that you may never pick up a drumstick again, no matter how much you like it, no matter how, no matter how much talent you have. You see, you're moving from being autonomous to being a servant of God. You do what he says to do. That doesn't appeal to you. Well, you're looking at the reason why marriages are breaking up all over the place because uh, you know th- that 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 idea of not being autonomous and not doing your own thing, not subjecting yourself, it's absolutely destroying the attitude of women all over the country, all over the world. And um, and so therefore marriages break up. What are you going to do? When I tell you that that's the reason Christianity's not working either. He has no servants. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he send forth servants into his vineyard. Hmm. Well, you can pray it if you want to. Where is he going to find them? Where is he going to find men that are willing to do what they say they're going to do? Where is he going to find people willing to do what he says to do? He can't get us to do nothing. I explained in the last show, that's not a double negative. He can't even tell us to do nothing. We won't obey him no matter what he says. It's, it's amazing. Just, I mean, our attitude is, hey, just save me, bring me to heaven, and just stay there and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> we, don't, you know, we, don't, we will not. Oh, Jesus told a parable one time where the servants in the vineyard said, we will not have this man to reign over us. We don't care how much money we're making. We don't care if we're, you know, good servants, bad servants, good employees, bad employees. We, none of this stuff matters. We don't care if the vineyard prospers. We don't care if, if you know, we're all, you know, in a profit-sharing program. What's, so what's the problem? Authority. We do not want this man in authority over us. Friend, you're going to have to give up your authority. You're going to have to give up your autonomy. There's no other way into the kingdom of God. There's no other way to be what you call saved, unless you give of your authority. You want to give your authority to a preacher? Oh, you're in luck. There are millions of those out there. Millions of them. that will tell you that I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, the problem is is that uh, I didn't learn it from them. That's the problem. I can't find their doctrine in the Bible or I'd follow it i can't find their rules in the bible or i'd follow them i can't find the lord saying what they say matter of fact i find the lord saying what are these people running around saying thus saith the lord i didn't say that well how are these people saying god said to me god said to me god said to me i didn't say anything to them i've had a dream i've had a vision i didn't give them a dream or a vision this is the way we hear the lord speaking about his prophets not much has changed friend not much has changed Well, here's the good news. Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus standing there. Elijah, representing every prophet that ever lived. Moses, representing all the laws that's ever been written. And he says, poof, poof. (laughs) They go away. This is my beloved son. In whom, by the way, I am well pleased. And he is the one I want you to listen to. That has not changed Either, Uh, our intention at at this ministry is for you to realize who your teacher is. Uh, I'm sure you know there's people that are pleased with this with this ministry with this telecast. They tune in, they listen, and uh, they tell their friends, "I found a new Bible teacher. (laughs) He's wonderful." Okay, there might be a few of them, but uh, nevertheless. They are introducing me to their friends or they think in their own mind that I'm their Bible teacher. Friend, I got one thing to teach you. I'm not your teacher. Jesus Christ is your teacher. And if I can do anything for you, if I can do anything at all, if I can please my God in the ministry He's called me to do, it is that I am going to take you to Christ and leave you there. I can give you some hints along the way. I can give you some of the sassy remarks that I made. I can give you, show you some of the mistakes that I've done. I can help you that way, perhaps with my experience. But when it comes down to it, one is your teacher. One is your guide. One is your rabbi, even the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And all of us, all the pastors, all the deacons, all the elders, all the people of the church, no matter how many bars they have on their robe sleeves, no matter what parking place they have in your church no matter what kind of car they drive, all the way down to the, the poor slob that has to come in and clean up the candy wrappers that your unruly kids left in the floor at church last Sunday. Everybody that is involved in the body of Christ, all of you, are brethren. There's the hierarchy of God. One's your teacher. And so that's my ministry. If I can get you in touch with him, I don't have to worry about a thing. I don't have to sit here and bark about false doctrine and bark about them. What do you mean that's what I do? <laughs> um, well, I don't have to sit here and point out every little thing that people are doing wrong or that you're doing wrong or anything else. I get you in front of the teacher. You're going to hear these things for yourself. I, my prayer is that you do as you're told. My prayer is that you, you do have what it takes to stand up to mom, stand up to dad and your uncles, and all your favorite preachers, and all your favorite Christian friends, and all the rest of them, and do the right thing, for the right reasons, every time. Now, Jesus made a comment here as as well. We we read this last time. Um, he says, uh, "I will." Uh, one of the one of the men that came to him, um, offering to follow him, said, "I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid farewell." to them that are at my home and at my house. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Um, There's a lot in this statement. There's a lot to be said about this statement and it can can go in a lot of different ways. But uh, I think one of the primary ways that we need to look at this is that if it is a real concern for you that your family and your friends and those that are at your house, those, that's the people in your sphere of influence in your life, if those people are so important to you that you feel like you need to explain what you are doing as, in following Christ to them so that they will be favorable to what you're doing, you are starting out on the wrong foot. Now today, um, you know the the institution of church has um, has gotten among people who are friendly toward religion into a into a, an attitude of oh so and so is called to preach isn't that wonderful uh, or he's called to a mission field or he's you know he's he's been called to be uh, what a uh, minister of music at the church or whatever else we've invented. And um, and so people, the religious people anyway, have a tendency to look up at something like that and say, "Oh, that you know, that's a wonderful thing. Wish you the best, that kind of thing." Then there are people who think, "Oh my goodness, um, y- you know, this is this is this is horrible. He's going to turn into a you know a churchocrat. He's going to turn into you know one of these people that are always condemning people to hell, and they're going to try to discourage him." I want you to know. That, in reality, both of those responses are worthless. They have nothing to do with your service to God. If you feel like those things are important, here's what you're going to do. You're not just going to go back and make things right with them before you start into the ministry. You're going to go back to them all the time. And you're going to constantly be bombarded by criticisms And you're going to be constantly and falsely uplifted by people of no spirit whatsoever. And either one of those situations are are detrimental to telling the truth of the gospel, which is not necessarily a pleasant thing. He requires that we have people that stand on their own two feet They do not need the the commendation of men, like Paul says. I'm not looking for a a letter of commendation from you. Here, let me show you. You see all these people over here? These people were in the world and lost without God, and these people now serve the Lord and and do so in, in such a way that they are living a life that pleases God. You see all these people? These are people that I preach to. This is the fruit of my labor. There's my letter of commendation. You see, I admire that about Paul. As a matter of fact, he he took great pains to explain to people. I didn't didn't necessarily care what the apostles at Jerusalem thought of my calling on the the road to Damascus when he uh, was called to the Lord. Why are you persecuting me? You remember the story? And, you know, if you read the book of uh, Acts, you'll find that Luke tells the story that, you know, he went back to Jerusalem and, and got their approval and, and that they taught him all this stuff and things like this. And Paul, over in the book of Galatians, says, That ain't so. <laughs> that is not what happened to me. I got my commission from the Lord and I went off by myself. Because, see, Paul knew there's one teacher, didn't he? And he got off by himself, and he spent time in the Arabian desert and was taught of the Lord everything that he's teaching people now. Yeah, I went to Jerusalem, and I told them what the Lord had told me, and they said, congratulations. And they extended the right hand of fellowship. Everything was fine between me and them. That's as far as it went. He says, I saw Peter, um, and I might have seen somebody else, but I don't remember anybody else. This is Paul's attitude. This gospel, I neither received it, nor was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. It was very important for him, and it should be very important to you, that Paul's revelation was given to him by God, not by other men. And if your intention is, as you decide to become a minister of the gospel, and many of you are called, have been called, wondered if you've been called, or... Or this is something in your future, or something you failed in in your past. I might be showing you why it failed, because other men have nothing to do with your calling, nothing, nothing, nothing to do with your calling. You do not need them, as the apostles made it clear in in so many words. You have no need that any man teach you, because the same Spirit that brought you here. He can carry you where you need to go. He can teach you. You have no need. Wow, man, he didn't say a little bit of need or a whole lot of need. You have no need that any man teach you? Boy, these are, this is amazingly different than what we witness in the earth today as Christianity. I say we fix it. I say we fix this. I say that we bolster Uh, Christianity with the words of Jesus Christ no matter what they tear apart no matter what they throw out the window no matter what they bring in let the words of Christ form our Christian faith and nothing else we don't care what men think we do not we cannot care what men think alright our time is gone again I thank you so much for being a part of the broadcast and, and uh I wish you the best on this. I, you just need to know that this is going to cost you everything you have. So you might as well just uh, face it. And if it hasn't cost you everything you have, I don't know what you bought. But um, you didn't buy what Jesus was selling because his price tag was everything you have. I don't think you got this at a at, you know, some bargain basement or a discount house. You know, whatever you got, I'd question it. Hey, will you write to me? Don at ThinkRedInc.com. I'd love to hear from you. Until I see you again, Think Red Ink. Bye-bye. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.